Welcome to NextCast. My name is Nathan Whitlock, an editor at Humber Press. NextCast is a podcast about teaching and learning at Humber College. Every episode, we talk to some of the faculty and staff who are leading innovation both inside and outside the classroom. This week, we have two guests on NextCast, both from the Center for Teaching and Learning. Katie Billard is a teaching and learning specialist at the CTL, and Bianca Sorbera is the manager of the CTL's teacher training programs. We'll be talking to Katie and Bianca about the CTL's new inclusive design certificate. Welcome to NextCast, Bianca and Katie. This is actually the first time we've had two guests simultaneously on the, uh, on the podcast, so this is a first. Before we start talking about the inclusive uh, design certificate, I thought I'd get you to tell us a little bit about your roles at the CTL. Uh, Katie, what do you do here? Uh, well, I do one-on-one faculty development, so working um, with faculty on developing their, their teaching. I do some workshops, developing and facilitating, and then, of course, the Inclusive Desi- Design Certificates. I am a co-coordinator of that. Oh, great. And, and Bianca? So I am the manager of teacher training programs at uh, the Center for Teaching and Learning, and I take care of all the certificates that we offer in a professional development capacity, Uh, everything from the teaching effectiveness certificate to the culturally inclusive to our newly um, entered uh, inclusive design certificate. And I also um, do uh, many workshops and facilitate a lot of one-on-one with uh, faculty. Um, You know, I mentioned that we are here to talk about the inclusive design certificate. It is this new uh, a piece that you've put together. What What is it and how does it work? Well, I guess what we've done is we've really looked at the learners in our classroom and we've taken all the fundamentals of teaching and learning. So everything from engaging students, planning instruction, assessing learning, and then we've added some technology components and we've added the component of learner variability and how do we address that learner variability in our classroom and how do we ensure that we're reaching the most, uh, the biggest audience, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say it really boils down to uh, trying to give faculty the tools to craft uh, effective educational experiences for their students. Uh, and the way that it's set up is uh, several modules, so it, it typically runs Um, one three-hour session per week, and we have it divided into foundations. Then how do we engage students? How do we plan instruction? How do we assess learning? And then finally, the technology piece that Bianca spoke about. And after they've completed that learn part of the certificate, they're able to then meet with one of us. So Bianca and I are the current facilitators. They'll meet with one of us for a one-on-one coaching session. Um, And then at the very end, they have a culminating task that's reflective that will allow them to create something based in inclusive design that they can actually use in their practice. And I think just to add to what Katie's saying, some of the principles that we kind of focused on when we were developing the certificate really include um, a focus on equity, collaboration, flexibility, and accountability in the classroom environment. And so those are kind of the founding principles, if you will, of how we approached the curriculum piece for the certificate. We also uh, focus on a one size, we we don't, sorry, we move away from the traditional one size fits all approach to teaching and learning. And we really try to hone in on how can we reach that individual learner in our class or how can we reach the most learners in our classroom. 
And that seems to be a, a thread that kind of goes through a lot of what the CTL does mm-hmm. and a lot of what Humber uh, 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 kind of talks about, which is that idea of not having one size fits all. Yeah. And so why why is something like this necessary? I mean, is were teachers asking for this or was this uh, seen as something that needed to be brought in or... Yes, yes, and yes, wouldn't you say? Oh. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's definitely um, have been requests for this because this is something that uh, we hear as educators that we're supposed to be doing something along these lines, making things more accessible to students. Uh, but we don't always have the tools, the practical tools to implement that. Um, there's also legal reasons why so soon we'll be legally obligated to have everything as accessible as possible. So we're trying to get ahead of that and really uh, empower Humber faculty to to start designing things inclusively right now. And similarly, I mean, I feel like we're in a bit of an era of accommodations when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, learner variability. And I think what this certificate strives to do is to be more proactive as opposed to reactive. I feel like sometimes accommodations tend to be a bit reactive when it comes to learning and addressing student needs. Whereas this certificate, we try to take you from the very beginning, the planning process of your curriculum, and we try to say, okay, who is this curriculum in? Including and who is it excluding? And then address those gaps and try to, you know, I'm not saying do away with, with accommodations. I think we'll always need accommodations, but perhaps lessen the need for accommodations with students and, and just make sure that we're hitting the needs of all those, all those learners in our classroom. Yeah, I think, sorry, I think one of the things that is a big limiter when it comes to providing this accessibility is time. Mm-hmm. So for faculty, time is a resource that we always feel we don't have enough of. And our thought is that an inclusively designed curriculum, it is more sustainable and manageable for faculty because rather than creating something and then having to adapt it and accommodate in many different ways each term, depending on who you have in your class, instead you design it upfront in a way that already is accessible to all of those students. They can all learn, they can show what they've learned in, in a way that doesn't require all of those uh, changes that can be time consuming and really daunting. Yeah. And we're not saying that, you know, you you shouldn't reflect on your curriculum and change it. There's always room for changing, definitely. And especially once you meet your students, right, Uh, you're going to make adjustments. Um, But I think what this tries to do initially is prevent you as an educator from doing all that extra work, right? Because it takes, like Katie was saying, takes more time to go back and try to retrofit something as opposed to develop it in a very robust way from the beginning. That makes sense. That kind of goes back to that faculty wanting this, wanting these tools, because if you have a a few hundred professors who are trying to figure out ways, and they're all individually coming up with ways to make their courses uh, more inclusive, you have all, they're each taking up that time to do it. Whereas if you had these tools ready, available for them, there's a, there's a whole chunk of time gone. Like they, they, they don't have to spend all that time 
developing this on their own and creating the wheel, you know, That's inventing right. the wheel each time. That's right. And just to use the example, I mean, inclusive design is a principle that really um, historically has been a part of the architectural world. Mm -hmm. And so basically designing buildings that people can access. Um, and so what we've done uh, from the beginning, right, and as opposed to going backwards and trying to put in accessible features. So from the from the very design phase is how can we make sure we include the most users in this. And I think as uh, as we've developed this certificate and over the year that it's taken us to develop the certificate, those are the, those are kind of the ideas that are in the back of our heads is how can we, um, you know, make our curriculum the most user friendly for the, for the most users. At this point, I, like I keep bringing up accessibility, which sometimes pigeonholes this a little bit as, as, um, as accommodation base, like mm -hmm. for people who have, but it's really so much bigger than that. It's that everything that you're designing is making, it's, it's better for everybody. So you might design something with a particular need in mind, but then everyone benefits because of that design change that you made. And so the, um, the architectural equivalent to that is if you take a round doorknob and you turn it into a lever doorknob, maybe with the idea of someone who has arthritis in mind and that those round doorknobs are really hard if you don't have that dexterity. Well, in the end, that lever doorknob is easier. I mean, if your arms are full because you're carrying something, you can open it with an elbow. Like anyone can, can open that uh, lever doorknob. Um, it, it's not just that one particular need that you may have designed it for. So in, in the curriculum, it works the same way. You may include closed captioning for somebody who has um, a hearing impairment, but it helps everyone. It helps English language learners. It helps um, people who just have trouble focusing on something that's, that is just an audio. And, and so that's th this idea of taking inclusive design and architecture and bringing it into the world of education. And it's not necessarily just so a specific group of people can benefit, as Katie was saying. It's so all of us can benefit, right? So. And that's interesting because that even just thinking in terms of architecture, I think a lot of people who are of a certain age, like me, remember the idea of accessibility first kind of coming into our consciousness with the idea of ramps. Yeah. You know, wheelchair ramps, accessibility ramps. And that feels like a real add-on. It's a it's an addition. You know, you've built a building full of stairs and spiral staircases and kind of forbidding corners and so forth. And then you add a ramp. Whereas this is starting from the you know going beyond that, starting from the beginning and actually making it accessible to everybody uh, and instead of having to just sort of add this thing on this component on at the end. Exactly. Right. Um, start with ramps. <laughs> start with ramps. Because they're easier for everybody. Right. Yeah. But and you know you could also have sliding doors, yeah, which right. which exactly. everyone benefits from and everyone likes. But no one yeah. thinks in terms of accessibility. Exactly. They just or, thinks in terms of, think in terms of I like sliding doors. Yeah. You know. Or this morning when I had you know seventeen bags in my hand yeah. coming in from the parking lot <laughs> and I needed somebody to hold the door for me. What did I you have in those bags? What did you have? <laughs> Why were you bringing okay, seventeen bags? There were in? about four. Uh, okay. So there were about four bags with you know my teaching and learning tools. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and now I'm sounding like a geek, but. <laughs> Anyways, um, basically, yeah, I needed help opening the door, and you press a button, and there it is. So it's it's not just helping one subset of the population; it's help it's potentially helping everybody. And I think that's that's the lens that we take for this certificate: is that we're all implicated in inclusive design, and we can all benefit from it. 
And uh, one of our mantras is ban the average. So uh, instead of thinking, okay, this is the average student and we'll design it this way, we ban that because the reality is everybody has variability. Variability is the normal thing. So you plan to have options in every aspect and that will then improve the experience for everyone. You mentioned that, uh, you know, at certain certain point, the laws are changing around uh, accessibility, around inclusiveness, and that all teachers are going to have to have these tools at hand and have the, these kind of skills when they're, uh, when they're building their courses, when they're designing their courses. But in the meantime, you know, right now, for people actually listening to this, are there people, are there specific things people can do in their classes as they're putting together their, their you know, classes and programs and, and courses right now? Great question. Yeah. I think um, if we go back to that universal design for learning framework, we can really kind of see in uh, different areas that we can really, um, you know, make our curriculum that more robust. So, for example, multiple means of, of representing the material that we present in our classroom. Are we presenting our material in one way um, on a PowerPoint, for example? Not to say that PowerPoint's a bad thing, but it's only one way of being able to share knowledge and information. So what are some other ways that we can capture the rest of the audience? Could we offer them an opportunity to view a video? Could we offer them an opportunity to listen to a podcast on their way to class? Um, Could we offer them more visuals, for example? And um, could we offer them choice for the matter, right? So um, if somebody does want to do a deeper dive into a particular um, nuanced area of the curriculum, they can. And so what it does then is it you're teaching, you're, you're trying to kind of cast the net wide and, and, t- and bring in all those students. But also, are you giving students different ways of communicating? So are, are you always asking them to verbally bring up their questions or do you provide options for them to maybe anonymously write questions to speak with just one other person versus the whole class? Are you giving them things that they can do so that, that they're not required to be you know, extroverted and um, fast processors of information in order to participate in your class? And the other thing is providing options within assessment. So you may already have some ideas of different ways that you could assess students. Could you provide options within the same assignment? So could you have something that allows a student to write an essay or, uh, you know, create a video? Something as simple as that to begin with is a great place to start. And then if you come to the certificate, we can give a few more ideas um, and make sure that you're doing it maybe a bit more thoroughly. But... I think it's really important to realize you can start this process with one step. You don't have to revamp your entire curriculum. You can just think about providing one more option in each class that you're doing. And it can be quite small to begin with, but you'll see really big dividends. Well, thank you very much, Bianca and Katie, for helping me ban the average and having my first two guests next cast. Thanks very much for uh, helping out with this. Thanks for having us, Nathan. Next Cast is produced by Humber Press and the creative productions team at the Center for Teaching and Learning at Humber College. Special thanks to Panit Waugh, Santino Pinozzo, Allison Lasorda, Darren Richards, and Eileen DeCourcy. To suggest stories for future episodes of Next Cast or to let us know what you think, 
Email Humberpress, all one word, at humber.ca. That's humberpress at humber.ca. To learn more about the workshops, teaching certificates, and other support offered through the Center for Teaching and Learning, and to read issues of Next Magazine, go to humber.ca slash Center for Teaching and Learning. Thanks for listening. See you next time. That's not a pun.